Turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 24. Acts chapter 24. And we'll be reading the, thank you Jason, we'll be reading the entire chapter. Acts chapter 24, and we'll begin reading at verse 1. The word of the Lord says, Now after five days, Ananias the high priest came down with the elders in a certain order named Tertullus. These gave evidence to the governor against Paul. And when he was called upon, Tertullus began began his accusation saying, Seeing that through you we we enjoy great peace and prosperity is being brought to this nation by your foresight, we accept it always and in all places, most noble Felix, with all thankfulness. Nevertheless, not to be tedious to you any further, I beg you to hear by your courtesy a few words from us. For we have found this man a plague, a creator of dissension among all the Jews throughout the world, and the ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. He even tried to profane the temple, and we seized him, and wanted to judge him according to our law. But the commander Lysias came by, and with great violence took him out of our, out of our hands commanding his accusers to come to you. By examining him yourself, you may ascertain all these things of which we accuse him. And the Jews also assented, maintaining that these things were so. Then Paul, after the governor had had nodded to him to speak, answered, Inasmuch as I know you have been for many years a judge in this nation, I do more cheerfully answer for myself. Because you may ascertain that it is, it is no more than twelve days since I went up to Jerusalem to worship. And they neither found me in the temple disputing with anyone, nor inciting a crowd either in the synagogue or in the city. Nor can they prove the things which they now accuse me. But this I confess to you, that according to the way which they call a sect, I worship, I worship the God of my fathers believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets. I have a hope in God, which they themselves also accept, that there will be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. This being so, I myself always strive to have uh, have a conscience without offense towards God and man. Now after many years, I came to bring alms and offering to my nation, in the midst of which some Jews from Asia found me purified in the temple, neither with mob nor with tumult. They ought, they ought to have been here before you to object if they had anything against me. Or else, let those who, who are here themselves say if they found any wrongdoing in me while I stood before the council, unless it is, uh, unless it is this one statement which I cried out standing among them, concerning the resurrection of the dead, I am being judged by you this day. Verse 22. But when Felix heard these things, having more, uh, uh, having more accurate knowledge of the way, he adjourned the proceedings and said, When Lysias the commander comes down, I will make a decision on your case. So he commanded the centurions to keep Paul and to let him, let him have liberty and to hold him not and, and told him not to forbid any of his friends to provide, uh, to provide for or visit him. And after some days, when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, 
who was who was Jewish, he uh, he sent for Paul, and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Now, as he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and answered, "Go away for now. When I when I have convenient time, when I have a convenient time, I will call for you." Meanwhile, he also hoped that money would be given to him by Paul, that he might release him. Therefore, he sent for him more often and conversed with him. But after two years, Porcius Festus seceded Felix, and Felix, wanting to do to uh, wanting to do to the Jews a favor, left Paul bound. May the Lord bless the reading of His word. And so we find ourselves in this chapter of Acts, Acts chapter four, kind of in between a major story here. So let's let's do a little review of where we are in the book of Acts. Back in chapter 21, we read about Paul going down into Jerusalem. And shortly after he was in Jerusalem, he was arrested in the temple by a mob. And the mob was seeking to kill, kill Paul. And uh, thankfully, by the grace of God, there was a, a Roman captain named Lysias just happened to go, go by the city and saw the mob and, and was curious and went in and saw this man being abused by the mob and, and he rescued this man and said, well, what's, what's the issue for the, uh, for the abuse? And uh, we read that he took him into the barracks and, and the next day he brought him before the Jewish council and, and uh, it was more mayhem. They, 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 they grabbed laid hold of Paul and they were, they were arguing over the resurrection, so the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Anyway, it, it, was, a, it was a mess. And so Lysias went in and, and took Paul again and brought him to the barracks because nothing was being done right. And there was a plot against Paul. It says that over 40 men took a, a great vow, a great oath, of not eating any food until they killed Paul. And they, they plotted against Paul and they said, told, told the elders of uh, the Jewish elders and the priests and the Pharisees, listen, go to Lysias and say, uh, bring Paul down so we can, we can, we can, uh, to the council so we can talk about this issue. And the issue, and the plan was that as Lysias would send Paul down to the council, that these forty men would would ambush Paul and would kill him before he ever got to the council. But unfortunately, Paul's nephew got wind of this and went to Paul and went to the commander and notified what happened. And when the commander heard that, that there was a plot against Paul's life, he decided that the best action was to hand Paul to his superior, to the governor Felix. And so by night he he he. Uh, he got 200 uh, soldiers uh, gathered together and, and horsemen, and they, they escorted Paul up to Felix. And, and this is where we find ourselves. Paul was handed over to Felix. And we get to the beginning of this, our, our, our story here in the chapter. And uh, Felix was, gonna, was waiting for the Jews to come up so they could have a proper trial. And so we find ourselves in chapter 24. Now, before we delve too much into it, I do want to... Uh, Talk about this man Felix a little bit. We don't have much in, as far as in the text here about the character of Felix, but we do have uh, some information, not a lot, but some information concerning Felix in secular history. And Roman, uh, Roman historians would say of, of Felix that he was, he was originally a slave. And he came from such lowly estate to where he was being the governor of Judea. Uh, by, by aligning himself with, with uh, certain men. We also read that he was a cruel man. Uh, uh, one, of the, one of the Roman historians, ancient Roman historians, would describe uh, uh, Felix as a, as a man who had the power of a king 
with the disposition of a, of a slave, with all manner of cruelty and lust. So he wasn't a very kind man, as you can imagine. And we also read in secular history that his wife, which we hear about in this chapter, Drusilla, was actually the wife of another man, of another king. And uh, you see, Felix took a liking to her and, and, and felt the need that he wanted her. Not, not just because she was beautiful, maybe, but also because she was a noble. And here is a man who, who came from the... Uh, came all the way from a slave to, to being a, a ruler over Judea to now being part of a noble family. And so he seduced, he just seduced Drusilla, which was another man's wife, uh, to be his. So we, we learned a little bit about the character of this man, Felix, because Paul is going before this man. This man, this imperfect man. And so the, the chapter can be broken down in two, in, in two main sections, really. Uh, the beginning, the beginning part of the chapter, it's Paul before Felix, right? Paul stands before Felix and he's accused and he defends himself. And then the second part of the chapter, it's the reverse. We have Felix in front of Paul, right? And so we're going to talk about those two aspects, right? And then along with that, there's also there there is four there are four, there's there's four uh, 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 three accusations. How do I say that? There's four triple accusations or statements given in this in this uh, chapter that we can we can look at. First, we're going to look at um, Tertullus. So we read that the high priests, the Pharisees, those who were out to kill Paul, because they couldn't ambush him and kill him, and now he was in the hands of Felix. Now they have to do things the right way, and in order to do things the right way, they said, "Well, let's go and find." The best lawyer in town. You know, if you have a good lawyer, you, 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 can, you can solve all your problems, right? It's, it's kind of true in this country as well. You can get away with murder if you have the right lawyer, right? And so they did that. They went and got this man, Tertullus, which is interesting about this man, is that his name means triple hardened. It's kind of a strange name, right? Triple hardened. Now, I, I, I would only state that it's kind of a coincidence, and I think it's a spiritual coincidence, that the man's name is Triple Harden, and I think it speaks of the Pharisees and the high priest's heart. Their heart was hardened. Here they are, they're, they're involved in the very same actions that crucified the Son of God, bringing false accusations to a man who did no wrong. Hardened hearts. And so we see that they hired... The best they can, the money can find, the, the best lawyer. And here is this lawyer. He goes before uh, uh, Felix the governor. And, and he's a professional. He's a true professional. I mean, you could just imagine in your mind, here is this lawyer with, with the nicest suit, the, the, the best demeanor, trained in, 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 in speech and communication, goes before Felix. And the first words coming out of his mouth are they're just, he's just buttering up the judge. He says, Oh, man, listen. Uh, Felix, seeing that you have, that seeing that through you we enjoy such great peace, he says. You know, we have such wonderful peace in this part of the world because of you, great judge, he says. And, and all the prosperity that is being brought, it's brought because of, of your great judgment, he says. Huh. Man, this guy knows how to lay down thick, doesn't he? He really does. And he says, oh, noble Felix, listen, I don't want to be too tedious. I don't want to bother you too much, but just be courteous to me. Listen to my words. 
What a great way to start, right? All these flattery words. It's almost nauseating, is it? You know, there's something to say in, in, in his flattery speech, actually. And I'll point this out. He says three things about Felix. Three things that I imagine would strike a chord in, in the flesh of Felix. He talks about all his wonderful works, his works of righteousness. He talks about, he says, oh, but, but your judgments, if it wasn't for your judgments, we, we wouldn't have all this wealth. He talks about judgment. And then he talks about his nobility, which speaks of his self-control, which is interesting because Paul deals with those very three issues at the end of the chapter, and we'll get to those. And so he gets to the point. He gets to the point of, of what are the accusations? What is this indictment against Paul? Why is Paul sitting in jail and sitting before this court as a criminal? What is the issue? And so he gets to this point. He says his first accusation, his first issue with Paul is this. He's a plague. He is Paul the plague. He's a man who caused dissension, division, sedition. He's a man who causes trouble for the Jews, causing rifts among the nations. Now, it's interesting, he also says, not just in Jerusalem, not just in Judea, but across the world. <laughs> That's quite a statement for Paul, isn't it, right? He's causing dissension amongst the Jews across the whole world. That, that's, that's the first accusation, right? And at its root, at its base, what is the accusation about? It's a political accusation. You see, if he's causing dissension, if he's causing division, he's rallying it up. He, he's, he's causing rebellion in the Roman Empire. It would be a political issue. It would be a Roman issue. Something that would, that would be a, a, a worth a capital punishment. A capital punishment of death. So the first accusation is a political accusation. And it's that of him causing dissension or division. What is the next accusation we read? It says that he is a sect Reeler, a sect leader, a ringleader of a sect of the Nazarenes, we read. Also, see, he, Paul is, is not only a political uh, 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 person who, who causes rebellion in the empire, but he's also one who has his own special sect, a, a branch of, of what Judaism is, and he's a rebel. Now, this is important because this is, this is a, 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 in the Roman government, they had what they called legal religion and illegal religion. There was an actual, uh, uh, there's a, uh, a Latin term, it's called uh, religial uh, illicitai, is what it's called, right? Christianity eventually became an illegal religion, but at the time it wasn't, right? And so they were saying to, uh, to Felix is that here's this man who hasn't sect, who has a cult, and it's an illegal cult, and he needs to be dealt with. Well, that's a, that's a very very serious charge, right? As, as Romans, we need to we need to deal with this with such an issue, right? And then there's a there's a, the third and last charge that he that he brings before Felix, and it's that he even tried to profane the temple. He tried to profane the temple. Now, if you remember back in chapter uh, 24, I believe, when Paul was there in the temple, purified, getting ready to go through the ceremony. The, those, those Jews from Asia came and saw him and they routed up the, the, the people and they grabbed them and dragged them out and they said one of the things they had against him is that he tried to bring a Gentile that he brought, I'm sorry, not that he tried, they say, they say that he brought a Gentile into the temple. 
which is a, which is a grave sin. In fact, if anyone were to bring a Gentile into a temple, they were to be put to death. So now they're accusing him of sacrilegious. Now, back in chapter 24, they said that he did. Now, now, now they change their story. Now they say, oh, he tried. Well, that's a different story, right? And so we see that there's holes in their, in their argument. They're also very vague, too. So we see three accusations. One, of, one is a political. One is one of heresy or of sedition. And the other, the other thing is of, um, the other one is of sacrilegion. And so we come to the section of Paul. Well, Paul refutes what they say. Actually, before I, I get into what Paul says, it's interesting that, that they turn, not, not only is this uh, Roman lawyer stating the fact, but then they turn to the Jews and the high priests and all the elders of the Jews are sitting there and they all agree with the statement. They all put their stamp of approval upon the accusations. Which is kind of sad when you think about it. Here are the religious leaders of the day involved in such heinous sin. Which is, which is a principle that we need to understand. Just because a person or an individual is religious in any way, it doesn't mean it's going to lead him to doing what is right. It doesn't make, them, it doesn't make his actions correct. In fact, as we see in Scripture, a lot of times the religious zealots we find in Scripture, are actually the most arrogant in persecuting the truth, aren't they? So just because individuals in our lives uh, may seem devout, may seem religious, it doesn't mean that they're about to do the right thing. They're, they're after the truth. And quite the opposite, they're actually not. But I digress because of lack of time. And so we get to Paul. And here we find Paul stands up after, after Felix gives him the nod. And, and it's interesting of, of Paul's demeanor and his character, right? Here is this royal, or, or this Roman uh, uh, lawyer blasting Peter with all these heinous accusations, these false accusations. And, and it, as, I, as I study this, I, I wonder why didn't Paul stand up and say, I object? Right? I mean, you, you watch court court uh, shows today and, and and it's this this game of I object and I object and it's it, it, it's who gets the word first right no Paul Paul very quietly sat there didn't say a word until the Felix gave him the nod now it's your turn and he very kindly gets up and with courtesy and I say courtesy because he says Felix I, I know you've been a judge in this nation for many years and I'm happy to present my side to you. Now, I want to contrast what, what Tortillus did and what Paul did. Now, Tortillus buttered Felix up. He, he really did just butter him up. Oh, how to, what a great man Felix is. You know, we have such great peace because of your great work. So we, we have such prosperity because of your great judgments, he says. All Paul says, listen, I know you've been a judge in Judea for many years, and that's a good thing. And I'm happy to present this case which has to do with Jewish law before such a man. He wasn't flattering at all. He was just stating a fact, wasn't he? He wasn't buttering up the judge. He was stating a fact, being courteous to the judge, and was going to state his fact. That's important, right? It's important as believers for us to be courteous. Not to, be, not to flatter people with empty words, but to be courteous and kind 
You know, it, it, the situation wasn't a good situation. It wasn't a right situation. Paul could have gotten up in, in all indignation and said, what is going on here? How could you listen to this rubbish? But no, he stood up in great demeanor and, and courtesy and kindness and said, you've been a judge for many years, and I am happy to present my case to you. And he, he begins to refute each charge, each of the three charges they brought against him. They first, What was the first charge? The first charge was a political charge. One of sedition. One who, who caused division, right? And so Paul says, well, concerning the charge of, 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 of sedition, of division, he says, listen, judge, you can ascertain. You can verify this. He says, you can verify that I've only been in Jerusalem for 12 days. Well, well, why is that evidence? Well, listen, I don't know about you guys, but if you wanted to start a political coup, it's not going to take 12 days. In fact, you're not going to get anywhere in 12 days. In fact, you couldn't, get a, you couldn't fill a, a room the size of the kitchen with people in 12 days to follow you. You see how ridiculous their accusation is? Here's this man who says, who, who riles up the people both in the synagogue and the city, who, who's causing division in the nation of the Jews across the world, he's, they said. He's only been in Jerusalem for 12 days. How much damage could he possibly have done in 12 days? <laughs> kind of ridiculous, isn't it? And he goes on to say, listen, I, I, I was in the temple in Jerusalem. He said, they, they didn't find me you know, uh, bring, bringing a, a, a division to the people. It says, neither they found me in the temple disputing with anyone, nor inciting a crowd, either in the synagogue or in the city. They can't prove any of the things they're accusing of me of. All right. He was there for 12 days. And, and if you go back to the record in chapters 20, uh, 21 and on, he was, he was very lowly. He didn't, he didn't preach. He wasn't teaching. He wasn't disputing with anybody. In fact, he was there seven days purifying himself. Political accusation of him causing division. False. What was the second accusation they brought up? One of heresy. He, he's a sect leader. He's a ringleader of a sect of Nazarenes, he said. He, he's, a, he's a leader of an illegal sect in the Roman Empire, they said. Well, concerning that, he says, but I confess... To you that according to the way which, which they call a sect, he says, okay, according to what they say that I'm a sect, okay? This is what I believe in, he says. Listen, I believe in the God of our fathers, he said. Number one. Number two, he says, I believe all things that are in the law, he says. Number two. Number three, he says, I believe all that is in the prophets, he says. Number four, he also says, and I have a hope in God, he says. He says, concerning the resurrection, he says, I have a hope in God concerning the resurrection. Not only do I have it, but some of them do have it as well, he says. Concerning the resurrection, that there will be a resurrection both of the just and the unjust. <laughs> you know what Paul's doing there? He says, you call me a sect leader. You call, me, you call my Christians a cult, you say. Well, I stand for the whole truth, he says. I stand for the complete candidate of the Scripture. I believe in the Father of our gods. In the God of our fathers, excuse me. If anyone's a sect, it's them. 
They don't hold to the whole truth. The Sadducees would say, there is no such thing as resurrection. There's no such thing as spirit. There's no such things as life after death. If there is a sect, it's on them. It's not this way. Brothers and sisters, it, it, it kind of irritates me and it gets me excited because, listen, today in Christendom, there's what we call mainline denominations. You know, we have the big denominations, the big organizations. And growing up, as I, as I, as I went through school, and, I, and people said, you know, asked me, well, are you a Christian? Yes, I'm a Christian. What kind of church do you go to? Well, uh, yeah, 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 it's not a Baptist, it's not Presbyterian, it's not Episcopalian, it's, uh, it's a brethren, Plymouth, what is that? <laughs> you know, there was a sense of shame on my part that, that I didn't belong to one of these large organizations that are widely approved and recognized organizations. And, and it's not to badmouth any, any mainline, any mainline uh, denomination or anything, but Brothers and sisters, we stand for the whole truth. We stand for all that is in the law. All that is in the prophets. We may not be part of a large mainstream denomination, but we stand upon the truth. And the truth only. Now some of these large organizations, unfortunately, as the years go by, have lost their way. And have began because of of the times, or because of the seasons, and because of the world around it, begun to... Compromise on the truth. Isn't that what the Pharisees and the Sadducees were doing? They stood for the truth at one point. They stood upon the law and the prophets. But now when it's convenient for them and the times were right, they began to change their tune. Who is the sect? Was it Paul and the Christians or the Nazarenes? It's the only time you ever hear the Christian called a Nazarene. Obviously, after Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Beautiful name, actually. The branch. But I digress. I'm running quickly out of time. And so, he deals with the issue of this accusation of a heresy. And then the, la- the last accusation they, they, uh, they posed before Felix was one of sacrilege. One that he tried to defile the temple. And we read in verses 18 that... In the, midst of those, uh, 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 in the midst of which some Jews from Asia found me purified in the temple. They accused him of defiling the temple, but they actually found him what? Purified. <laughs> Another false accusation. And he says, listen, these men who accused me of defiling the temple, where are they? You know, it was Jewish law and Roman law for the accusers to face the accused. There's their accusation. Where were the accusers? They weren't there. And so we see Paul refuting each and each single accusation brought against them. And so we see that Felix, having an understanding, says he had an understand a more acceptable or more accurate understanding of the way. Would 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 complete the proceedings, would end the proceedings and say, give the excuse. He would say, listen, when Lysias, the commander, the, 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 the Roman commander would come, I will make a decision. But for now, he said, send, Peter, send Paul away, put him, put him back in prison. He says, but give him some liberty. Let, let his friends come and visit him. Let his friends come and provide for him, he says. And we begin to see a little bit of Felix's character. 
And we see that, the, that, that, that Tertullus and, and the Jews went home defeated at this point. And we get to the second part of, the, of our story. Where Felix goes before Paul. You see, Felix was married to Drusilla, which was a Jewish woman. And they lived in the city of, 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 of Caesarea. You know, Philip was in the city of Caesarea. And so were many believers in the city of Caesarea. Peter w- w- had gone to Caesarea. So I imagine that Felix had heard about the Christian faith. And maybe was curious. And maybe so was, so was his wife, Drusilla. She was a Jew. And so we read that after some days that, that here Felix and his wife came and said, bring Paul before so he can tell us about this faith in Christ. What is this faith in Christ? And we see that Paul, you know, Paul is probably one of the most intelligent evangelists I've ever, ever read about or I'll ever meet. Also a fearless man. Because he goes before the governor. And he contends with them. He contends with them not about the life of Jesus Christ, His death and burial and resurrection. He doesn't contend to him about the Old Testament scripture. He contends him about three things. Righteousness. Self-control. And the judgment to come. Why those three things? Now, if you recall, at the beginning of the message, I talked about Tortilla's flattering words to to, to, uh, Felix, right? He spoke about, oh, Felix, your your, your works are so wonderful. They're so right. They bring peace to the land. He spoke about his righteous deeds. He said, oh, your great judgment has brought great prosperity. He talks about his judgment and talks about his nobility. What is one of nobility? One of of, of demeanor of, of, of one who has self-control, right? And so Paul takes these flattering words and turns around and speaks to Felix about these three things, right? Now we don't have the details of the, that, that discussion of, of that, of that com- conversation with uh, Felix. But we can, we can carefully speculate, can we? I mean, we have Paul's teachings, right? I mean, you think about concerning righteousness, right? I mean, you imagine if Paul talked to him about Adam and Eve, right? <laughs> well, Felix, Drusilla, you see, righteousness is very important to God, right? You see, in the beginning, God created Adam and Eve, and they were perfect, and they were there in that garden. <laughs> but they sinned. They sinned one time. And what did God do? Well, I mean... God cast them out. And, and because of Adam, sin entered into, into the human race and sin has reigned in the human race ever since. You see how important righteousness is, Felix? Wow, I mean, that's a good point, right? And Paul may say, well, well, Felix, listen, what about the angels, you see? I mean, you read in the, in the prophet Isaiah about the angels. You see, those angels who, who followed after Lucifer, a, a, an angel who wanted to to supersede the throne of God. God the Father, because of His righteousness, casts them out. Right? Because of one sin, Felix, he says. <laughs> you, you could see the, the, the wheels of, 
uh, turning in Felix's mind and Drusilla's heart. <laughs> only, it only takes one, he says. It only takes one to separate you from God. One measly sin will separate you from God because His righteousness is perfect. I wonder if he turned to Felix and said, how many times have you sinned? <laughs> the question goes out to you and I. Or, or anyone, in the, anyone in this audience who has not accepted the Lord's how many times have you sinned? You know, righteousness is very important to God. Sin cannot be in His presence. You have to be made right in order to stand before a living God. And then he turns to his second point. Now that he made the point about righteousness, the importance of righteousness before a living God, he talks about self-control. And man, was this a double-edged sword through the heart of this man? Talking about a man who's sitting next to a woman which belongs to another man. Talk about self-control or lack thereof. When I say Paul is fearless, he is fearless in his preaching. He hit, I mean, he, he stuck that, the word of the sword right in the heart of that man. And after he had talked about righteousness and about self-control, he then talks about the judgment to come. You know, one, one thing about Felix is he was an arrogant individual. He was proud of the position that he had as a judge. And the only judge he would answer to in his mind was Caesar. And there was no greater judgment than Caesar in his mind. Paul says, oh Felix, oh Felix, there's such a judge coming. A judge so far greater than Caesar. A bema seat so far greater there than the judgment seat of Caesar. He spoke about it in his, accus- in his rebuttal to the accusation about the resurrection. You see, there's going to be a, a resurrection from the dead. Not just of the just, but also of the unjust. Felix, there is a judgment coming. There is a judgment coming. And it all depends whether you're right in the eyes of God or not. <laughs> oh, you could see... <laughs> One of the translations says that Felix was trembling. He was trembling in his heart. Friends, if you're here this morning and you have not, you have not received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you're standing before God upon your merits. You know, the world will tell you, listen, as long as you're a good person, when you get to heaven, God will weigh the good and the bad. Listen, because of one sin, God cast Adam and Eve out of, out, of, out, of, out of His presence. Because of one sin, He cast the angels out of His presence. What do you think He's going to do with you? But you know there's good news, Paul would go on to say. You have to be made right in the eyes of God. And if we can't make ourselves right, then how are we going to do that? Well, Paul would go on to speak about Christ. Right? I wonder if he would echo some of the words he penned. And there in Romans chapter 5, he says, For if by one man's offense, death reigned through all, reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance grace and the gift of righteousness, because it is a gift, will reign in life through the one. Who is this one? Jesus 
Christ. <laughs> it's a wonderful message, isn't it? How can we stand before a holy and righteous God? Not upon our... We sung it this morning, didn't we? I stand upon His merit. I know no others stand, right? It's only upon the merits of Christ can we be made right before a holy God. And we see Felix took it all in. And he trembled in his heart. And, and you could see the Spirit convicting him. And you wonder if it was himself or maybe his wife. We don't read about Drusilla and her reaction. But it, he turns to Paul. He says, listen, go away now. Just go. Listen, I'll call you when it's a convenient time for me. <laughs> you know, I, I wonder if, if his wife influenced him at all. I mean, his wife, his wife has, a, has quite a heritage, and I don't have time to go into it. But his wife comes from a line of Herods. His great, her great-grandfather was Herod the Great, the one who, who sought to kill all the baby boys to kill the Lord. Her, her, her great-uncle was, was uh, Herod Antipas, the one who would behead John the Baptist. Her father was Herod Agrippa, the one who would kill the Apostle James there in Acts chapter 12. Her brother was Agrippa II, found in Acts chapter 26. The one who says, Paul, you almost persuaded me. She has quite a heritage of, of atrocities, doesn't she? And I have to say this. It's amazing that God would visit such a family. Even though that family was such a wretched family and would show such cruelty to humanity, God visited them in His grace and in His love. But you wonder, this: the heart of this woman may have been hardened and told her husband, shut this guy up, send him away. And we read about his hesitation, his procrastination. Friends, listen, if you, if you haven't accepted Christ, then you may say in your heart, listen, I, I can't accept Him. I can't, I can't accept Jesus Christ as my Savior today because I need to get things right in my life. Or maybe I'm young. I need to experience life. When I get older and serious about things, maybe then I'll accept Christ when it's convenient for me. One, one, an individual once said, if... If today's 1,000 are slain, tomorrow 10,000 are slain. Procrastination is the enemy of eternity, is the thief of eternity. Do not wait. Today is the day of salvation. And we read about Felix, one who was convicted, but never, never found it convenient. The time never came for him to accept Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. And we read that Felix never changed. He was looking for a bribe. Why, why did he give Paul the privilege of having visitors? Because he was looking for money. You see, this man was a cruel and malicious and greedy man. And, and I imagine when he heard Paul's defense of himself, he, Paul said, listen, I, I haven't been in Jerusalem for many years. I came down with alms and gift to my nation. And it's true. Paul, Paul had gathered a gift from the Gentile churches and was coming to the churches of Jerusalem to help them 
And I wonder if the, 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 the words of an arm, of a gift, of money, rung in the ears of Felix and said, Oh, maybe if I hold out long enough, I may receive a bribe. And Paul never gave him a bribe. For two years, he sat in prison. Two years under this man Felix. And we read that, that Paul and Felix had many conversations. And the man's heart was dark as the night. Never was saved. Brothers and sisters, I hope you're refreshed and renewed with the message of the gospel. And I pray that if anyone here this morning has not accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and is standing and is hoping that they will find some kind of merit before a living God upon their, their, their good works, upon their kindness and goodness as a good citizen, I pray that you would you realize that, that it's folly. The Bible would say of, of the good works of man that they are as filthy rags. They're worth nothing before God. Only the righteousness of Jesus Christ will stand before a holy and righteous God. And you have to go before Him and receive Him as a gift. Believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and He died and He rose again. He died for your sins and paid the punishment for your sins. Let us pray. Our Heavenly God and Father, we thank You and praise You, Lord. We thank You, Lord, that You would see fit to look down upon such such a poor and desolate humanity. A humanity that deserved nothing but Your wrath. You would look down upon us favorably with love and You would send Your Son with the purpose to die in His life here on earth, His righteous and perfect life, the righteousness of Christ. You would extend to humanity. Humanity cannot, with their own strength, be made right before your eyes. And so you would then offer His righteousness. And you would impute it to those who would believe on your Son. We thank you and praise you for such a great salvation, Lord. We ask that you bless your word to our hearts and in our lives, Lord. I ask that you bless us the remainder of this day. I ask all these things in your son's precious name, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.